Our first reading from this morning is from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8. You'll find that printed in the back of your bulletin insert, if you'd like to follow along. Bless our God, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless our God, O my soul, and do not forget all God's benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Holy One works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. God made known God's ways to Moses and all God's acts to the people of Israel. Our God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
Robert Coles, a journalist with the New York Times, wrote this of his encounter with Dorothy Day, one of the founders of the Catholic Worker Movement. It was the afternoon after 35, it was in the afternoon almost 35 years ago that I first met Dorothy. She was sitting at a table with a woman who I quite quickly realized was very drunk, yet determined to carry on a conversation. The woman had a large purple birthmark to her right forehead and she kept tapping it each time she made an exclamatory remark, one after another, none of which seemed to get any rise out of Dorothy sitting opposite her. I found myself increasingly confused by what seemed to be an interminable, essentially absurd exchange taking place between these two middle-aged women. When would it end, I was thinking, the alcoholic ranting and the silent nodding, occasionally interrupted with a brief question, which only served to ramp up the alcoholic's behavior rather than wind her down. Finally, silence fell upon the room. Dorothy Day asked the woman if she could excuse herself for a minute. She got up and came over to me. Then she said, are you waiting to talk to one of us? One of us. I was speechless. Cole continues with those three words. She cut through the layers of my self-importance. With those three words so quietly, politely, and humbly spoken, she had indirectly told me what the Catholic Worker Movement was all about and what she was all about. She was all about welcome. Jesus uses a parable to paint a picture of life, asking us to ponder how we live, how we welcome. Listen now to these words from the 14th chapter of St. Luke. If you'd like to follow along, they're printed as well. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guest picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, the host, who invited both of you, will come to you and say, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when the host comes, he can say to you, friend, move up here to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of your fellow guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, sisters, relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's all about welcome. 
In our society today, there's a great sense of entitlement. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. We've all experienced it. People live as if their lives are entitled to anything and everything at any time they desire, acting as if they are their own creators, living as if the world is for them and not necessarily for anyone else. I deserve what I want, and what I want, I want now. We see this while driving on 280 or 101. We witness this on our city streets. We see this in pedestrians ignoring sidewalks. We see this while waiting in line and others pass by us. We watch it on the television all the time. And we witness it, unfortunately, in our political arena. As a culture, we take many things for granted. We assume, wrongly in my opinion, that we are totally responsible for all the good that comes our way and somehow not responsible for all the bad that comes. There is a scene from that show, The Symptoms, Simpsons, which I never liked, so I can't even say it, which captures this meaning. When asked to say grace at a family dinner table, Bart Simpson offers the following words. Dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. We paid for all this stuff ourselves. It's all about us. Jesus says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The meta message here for Jesus is humility. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm aware that for many of us English speakers, we hear the word humility and we kind of cringe. We get the image of someone who's spineless, docile, demure, submissive, modest, or meek. These are synonyms for that word. But when you think, when you think of a humble person, does one of these words come to mind? Or an image? Or do you think of someone who's empowered, strong, and sure in themselves? My hunch is the f first, not the second. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where Jesus gives some guidelines for living, he says, Blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness and humility, traits for inheriting the earth? Hmm. And yet humility in Scripture is extolled, even elevated as something good, righteous, and admirable. Biblical humility is very different from how we understand it. It refers to the character traits such as strength and compassion, fortitude, a healthy ego, or as some of us might put it, an honest sense of self. You see, in New Testament humility, it's not about thinking ill of ourselves. On the contrary, it's the opposite. The humility that Jesus is talking about demands, if you will, that we respect ourselves and not think of ourselves any differently than we would be apt to think of anyone else. Humility is not about clothing ourselves by belittling ourselves, no. It's about maintaining a healthy sense of pride, who we are, what we've done, 
our worth, but without arrogance. This is the key, is without the arrogance. In the parable that we just read, Jesus is asking us to consider finding our place, our place at the table. Do we give attention to others or seek others to give attention to us? Mark Nepo, in the most recent issue of Spirituality and Health magazine, does a, a really interesting reflection on this. He says that giving attention to others stirs us back to center, which I would say is God. Getting attention, seeking it, pulls us away from center, from the core of our very being. One form is humble, the other is not. New Testament humility is about a quiet confidence. It's about being content to let others discover our traits without having to boast about them ourselves. It's about the lack of arrogance, not the lack of fortitude in the pursuit of what we believe to be true. You see, humility carries the understanding that all of life, all of life, is a gift. So the natural response of one who is truly humble, truly humble, is gratitude. A conversation several years ago now with the Reverend Linda Regan, then pastor at Clayton Valley Presbyterian Church over in Clayton in the East Bay, has been replaying itself in my mind the past 24 hours. Linda was an amazing person who had done remarkable things in her life. She was a pastor, an artist, a poet, in her mid-50s, she became a pilot. And six years before her death in 2009, she faced seemingly unending setbacks in her health. Her attitude, however, was always one that was buoyant. Whenever I walked away from her, I always, feeling, I always felt that she had ministered to me way more than I had to her. But the conversation that I'm remembering today was right before she was to leave on a family vacation, she visited her doctor, who gave her the results of her liver biopsy, showing, showing that she had a rapidly, rapidly growing cancer, one that was incurable. The next morning, as she was packing, she was recounting the story to me, pondering how she might tell this news to her family. She caught herself, her reflection of herself in the mirror, and from some very deep place within her, she smiled and she said, I like myself and I like my life. I like myself and I like my life. How many of us can affirm this, that we like ourselves and we like our lives? For to be able to say this regardless regardless of whatever life situation presents itself to us, can only be said by a person who gets that they are loved, who gets that the whole of their lives is held in the hands of God. Understanding that the whole, the very essence of our lives are held in the hands of God allow us to find our place at the table with a humble and open heart. For at this table, we get that our past doesn't matter and neither does our future. 
at this table, it doesn't matter what we believe or what we think we should believe. At this table, we are accepted for who we are. For who we are. Not what we do. Humility is finding contentment in being extraordinarily ordinary. Knowing that our sense of self comes from God and no one else. And when we know this, my friends, really know this, there is joy and there is freedom. Often we miss this inner freedom or this interior joy because we're rehearsing in our minds our mistakes, thinking that we're not good enough for God or anyone else. And yet God clearly says, Get over yourself. You are enough. You are enough. I created you in love. I birthed you in love. I made you to love, so in love, you're free to love me, others, yourself. So my dear friends, how do you, how do I go about finding our place at the table? This is really the question that we're asked to answer. Will we be like the Linda Regans of the world or like the Bart Simpsons? The choice is really ours.